Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Raleigh Little Theater's podcast. Um, today's episode is really focused on our n- upcoming production of Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. We're really excited about this production and the cast and crew and creative teams have been working very hard uh, to bring you a great theater experience, and so we hope you'll join us. Um, tickets for that show are really selling fast. We've already announced additional shows for our run. Um, so the run starts on January 17th. It runs through February 2nd. We have added shows now on uh, February 6th, 7th, and 8th. And, of course, we have our sensory-friendly programming on February 9th. So please get your tickets quick. You don't want to miss out on this show. Um, we've had a lot of fun putting it together. If you're listening to us, I hope that you'll like us and subscribe to the program. That always really helps us out. Um, you know, there's a lot going on at the theater right now. Um, we're in auditions currently for Susical the musical and um, our divas auditions are coming up we'd love to have you join us for those um, and you know the season's just moving right along it's been a great season and we're excited for all the program we have you can find out information about all of our auditions all of our season opportunities at our website raleighlittletheater.org so for today's episode i really wanted to focus on uh, the directing team so i invited my assistant director rachel potter nunn and my movement director heather strickland to come and talk to me on the podcast about our creative process of putting uh this story on stage for those of you who are familiar with the play um it really is uh, a very theatrical experience and there are many many different ways that a creative team could interpret it so i thought it might be fun for you to hear a little bit from us about how we built the world of the play and uh, maybe uh just kind of whet your appetite a little bit uh about what you'll be coming to see or what you should go grab tickets right now to come see um we really do hope to see all of you at the theater and i hope you enjoy uh this chat that i have with rachel and heather all right um hi everybody we're here and um it's the creative team uh part of the creative team i guess from uh, curious incidents the directing team so i'm uh here with heather strickland who's our movement and fight director and uh, rachel potter nunn who is our assistant director and um you know for this podcast i just kind of um, wanted to talk to the directing team because uh, this is a really interesting complicated show and so i thought you might enjoy hearing um just some of our own thoughts about um, what we went through in building it and uh, how we're putting it on stage uh, and prep to see the show, which we hope you'll all come see the show. So hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and we are sitting here with director Patrick Torres. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I'll start with you, uh, Heather. So um, what was your prior experience with this show, if any? And then uh, when I handed it to you and said, hey, will you join me on this thing? What, was, what were your first thoughts about the script and project? Yeah, so I had no prior experience with the script before uh, Patrick came to to talk to me about working on this show. I remember reading the book many, many years ago, uh, probably close to when it was first published. And, you know, it really is one of those stories that stick with you. I mean, I haven't even seen the book in many years, but I still very clearly remember that red cover with the image of the the dog on top of it. And I read it... um, because my mother actually recommended it to to me. And then we sort of talked about what the book was and we didn't really have a context for understanding um, anything about autism, but we really loved how beautiful the story was about the family and what a family goes through. Um, so then when I first started reading the script and it had been years since I had really even thought about the story, 
I immediately thought, oh my gosh, this is exactly like the book. This is exactly the memory I have of this story. And it has these very interesting characters of the voices, which the first thing that popped into my mind was this Greek chorus um, to kind of help narrate the story, push the story along. But it was used in this way that it was more about what is inside Christopher's head. Um, and you know, from a perspective of a movement director, that just sort of opened up such a world of possibilities for what could be done with something like that. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit uh, for um, those who are listening, who, who maybe a movement director is a new um, position that they hadn't thought about in the theater. Can you tell us what a movement director does? I will try, but I think I'm still figuring out what a movement director is. Um, it actually is something that I've only started doing the past couple of years. Uh, for so much of my creative career, I have been a fight choreographer or a dance choreographer and more recently an intimacy choreographer. So I am so often in a creative space as the person that's in charge of big choreographed pieces, whatever that may be. And then uh, a couple of years ago in a collaborative uh, creative partnership with my dear friend, Michelle Wells, uh, we started talking about how we were going to direct a piece together. And at first we were talking about co-direction, realizing though that my skill set was really going to be the one that was around the blocking, the stage imagery, the movement, and hers was really around sort of the overall vision setting as well as character development. And so we came up with this kind of working relationship up. I was movement director and she was director. And it was really just based on our skill sets and what we brought to the, the process. But as soon as I was out there in the community as a movement director, I started getting asked to do more work in that space and it turned into I uh, recently worked on actually two productions of the Jungle Book at uh, a local high school and a local elementary school where movement director not only meant coming in and staging some of the fights that are in that show but also working with the actors on how to develop character movements so it has truly evolved to be the person that is there to work on not only big choreographed movements, but also the stage imagery, how things are flowing on and off stage, as well as individual characters and how they move. Mm. Yeah, and for this show, um, it, it really is about, like, there's so many um, movement sequences that involve those six voices that you were talking about, and, and I think the storytelling kind of exists in people's bodies. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I wanted a movement director on this show just because I felt... Um, I felt like it was important to have someone alongside me that really understood kind of bodies in space and how physical storytelling occurs. So much of the, the stories that we tell in this piece are nonverbal um, with, with the voices um, in the show. All right, Rachel, your turn. <laughs> so uh, uh, I brought you on really early um, to be assistant director. Talk about your first kind of reactions to the story and the play. And what were some of the first questions you had about how we were going to make this thing happen? Great question. Yeah. So I first encountered the book, uh, read it a few years back, loved it immediately, found out that there was a play and immediately found that and read it. Um, as soon as I found out RLT was doing it, I um, really, really wanted to be a part of that in whatever way that I could. And I'm um, super glad that that opportunity came to fruition. Uh, actually, one of my very first questions um, was, how has the autistic community reacted to this story in the past? And it, ha it has a very storied past to it. Um, there has been a lot of um, 
people from the autistic community commenting on it and some very positive reactions and some very negative reactions too. So um, I talked to several friends of mine who were on the autism spectrum and wanted their opinions. Um, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, I really felt like even if this isn't a perfect depiction of autism, in fact, it would really be impossible to depict everyone with autism because it is such a, a varied um, a varied state of being. Um, it's important to at least tell some some person's story to give some some idea of what that condition is like for some people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because in the book and in the play, Christopher is never diagnosed with autism, and I think that um, that's been attached to the character because of the behaviors that he exhibits, both in the book and in the play. Um, and so, you know, I do think, you know, by and large, people who work on this show don't always cast Christopher um, with an actor who has autism. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why is because it isn't diagnosed. So it's not specifically requiring that as a casting decision. And I think um, for me, uh, it was important to uh, to cast an actor on the autism spectrum just because I knew that I wanted to um, direct the play. It's one of those plays that as a director you get really excited about because there's just so much um, imagination and theatricality in it. And so um, I knew that I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to find myself in a position of directing autism. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it was really important to have the lived experience in the room. And I, for one, feel like we've learned a lot from Michael, who is uh, playing Christopher, Michael Larson. Um, is a 17-year-old uh, young man who's playing Christopher, who who does have autism, and uh, you know it's been really um, great to to work with him and talk to him. I remember there was um, there's a scene um, in the second act of the play where we're at a newsstand, and um, you know um, I had come up with this really wacky idea for how that scene would work because um, it's 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 in this part of the play where we're really looking as an audience at what it's like to have sensory overload, what it's like to um, to kind of live in that world. And so um, my first idea was to kind of go really wacky with it, <laughs> out of perspective, which still exists some in the play. Um, but it just wasn't working. And so I just walked up to Michael and I was like, in this scenario, what would be intimidating to you? What would be too much? And, um, you know, we had a great conversation. And I think now that's one of my favorite sequences in the show. Mm -hmm. And I think it just really came from his lived experience. And that's always exciting when, when actors can do that. What's something that you two have found um, exciting about working on the piece? Uh, so actually, I, I remember the moment when you did come to both of us with Michael's feedback on kind of what would be overwhelming about that moment. Um, because you were just kind of relaying the conversation that you had just had with Michael and sort of what I started to process from the, the movement perspective and how we would build the movement of it because it was such a visual imagery that Michael, I think, provided to you in saying, you know, these there would be these kind of colors flashing back and all these people coming in and out would make it hard to focus on the one thing that I was supposed to be focusing on in that moment. And so then for me to translate that into how do we take these bodies and set pieces, I mean, there's as much choreography of set pieces in this show as there is with the, the bodies of the actors that we have. 
Um, so how to translate that feeling of being overwhelmed into how do I create a pattern that is visually interesting on stage with these different pieces that I have that gets the audience to that overwhelming feeling. So that's been challenging in many ways, but also very exciting. I think it's pushed me as an artist tremendously. Yeah, and uh, I think I, of course, was super excited to work on this script and this story, but a sort of unexpected thing that's come out of this um, is I think we have all just been extra attuned to um, different styles of communication in the room and extra attuned to how can we effectively communicate with each other um, throughout this process because of having Michael in the room. And that has unexpectedly, I think, benefited everybody um, because, you know, everyone in the room does have a very different communication style and different needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has been a huge source of, uh, of growth and comprehension for me as a director um, that just, just learning how to communicate with different people and being attuned to that. Mm -hmm. I think the very, very, very blank page that the script offers has been really interesting. I think all three of us know that there are times when we have come into the room and all had a very different idea on, on how a scene was going to go or how it was playing out in our heads um, with it before we had a, a chance to talk about it. So I think that process of figuring out how we were going to layer the story onto the grid that is our stage was unique because I don't know that there's oftentimes when it is that much of a blank space that a story creates for us. I don't know if you all had similar experiences coming in and going and going, wow, they're on completely different pages than I am right now. <laughs> and it's not invalid. It's still going to tell this story. It's still a way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I think, you know, something that, um, uh, I never, I didn't see the the UK production or the Broadway production or the tour. I don't know if either of you did. Mm -mm. I no. kind of love it that none of none of us did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so many people have seen that one, and, and you know, I think that um, you know there, there are certainly been times in my life and productions that I've seen that I felt were like. I felt were definitive productions. Like I don't want to touch it. I don't. I want anybody to ever ask me to direct it because. I don't know how I would do anything differently. And I think I might feel that way if I had seen the full uh, Broadway production of this show. Um, so I'm glad that I didn't because mm -hmm. then I felt like I could kind of enter into it from my own space without a preconceived notion. Although I had seen plenty of pictures and clips and I've had plenty of people tell me about what they loved about it. And um, so I think people you know, who are listening might be surprised to know that, like, you don't get a lot in the script. There is not a lot of direction of what this play ultimately looks like visually, right? Of mm -hmm. course, the text is so rich and, and everything is so good. Uh, uh, it's such a good adaptation of a book mm -hmm. that, of course, there are things that have to happen. There's a plot, there's character, yeah. stuff like that, that we really need to protect. But the way that you enter into the story is really open, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, there were plenty of times when the three of us just kind of thought differently. But I think what's exciting about that and what was really fun about it is as you continue to build it, you start to develop a vocabulary mm -hmm. that starts to go, oh, this is our production. This is the way our production is going to look. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think, um, uh, and I'd be curious to know how you all would kind of define that or describe it for um, audiences. Like, what is the 
what is the characterization of our production? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) For me, I feel like um, it is about, is about humans and the way humans interact with each other um, to influence the world around us. I don't Mm -hmm. know how you, what, I don't know what y'all would say. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I'm also curious about, because I'm wondering now, you know, you obviously had the initial vision and desire to do this show, how much it has changed since that initial, like how you saw it originally when you first read that script with the intent to do it this time. And does it look anything close to what you saw that that first time now that, I mean, this was a very collaborative process and a lot has been brought by the the designers and the crew that's part of this. Mm -hmm. How far off have we gotten from (laughs) that original? (laughs) Oh, that's a really interesting question. You know, I think for me, um, I think I I think oftentimes when I'm working on a show there are images that stick in my head but they're not related to overall like scenography. Mm-hmm. Right? So I don't have like um the way the set's going to look in my it depends on what script it is. But a script like this, I see like moments where like I I I remember um having a really clear image of Christopher looking at the stars which is now that's what our poster is it's mm-hmm. like in the, that image was really early on for me and i guess inside that image there is light you know there is some darkness there is some hope and there's like all, all sorts of stuff that like for me that kind of image was really central and i remember thinking about um space and not like concrete like set piece kind of space but um what should the space feel like and be like um and should we like maybe move towards negative space Mm. i thought a lot about just like how um we would use the space because of because i knew people's attachment um to the show to to that big broadway tour that came through deepak not too long ago and that many people saw on broadway um i you know we don't have the technology or the budget to achieve that and but i knew like having read the script and not not seen it that that it didn't have to be exactly that and so the very first decision that that i made in season planning was to put it in the gaddy um which is our small black box theater because i wanted to kind of just from the very beginning to say to people this is going to be very different than what you um saw on that tour if you got to see that tour Mm -hmm. and what i know now that i didn't know then is that the very first production ever of of that version of the show was done in a black box. So, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I think, you know, that automatically breaks down the expectation that it's not going to be this big, overwhelming thing. Um, and then, you know, I just, for me, I think um, the smartest thing that any of us can do as a director is just to put a great team on it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I knew when we were picking the show like a year and a half ago, like I was like, I, you know, there are, are certain designers in the community that I really would love to work on this show with. Um, and what's great is we live in a talented community, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of people. But Sonia Drum, who is the set designer, was, you know, one of the top of my list just because I know she's just so creative and imaginative. And so she and I just sat down and started looking at images together and just kind of collecting stuff like that that then, you know, just ultimately became you know this set and we also knew it had to function in a certain way mm-hmm. you know it had to be mobile had to be efficient um and so we just kind of through the process of looking at these images and building different things we kind of arrived where we arrived at so i wouldn't say that it's um super different than i imagined because i kind of didn't start in that place 
Um, I can say I think we have built a world that is um, that illuminates the story mm -hmm. and really helps us tell the story really well, um, and and is an extension of Christopher in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And I can just credit the the design team with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I, I mean, you you all must have also had perceptions of what it might be. I'd be interested in knowing how different it is for you or the same or kind of where you are. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I know in one of our earliest meetings, we had talked about it being a little bit more of a an installation art piece that expanded even out into the lobby um, and involved the the audience before they even got into the theater. So I thought that was an, an interesting idea. But I still feel like the spirit of that, which was the what is in Christopher's brain can no longer be contained and it is exploding and it is bending in new and unexpected ways. I think the spirit of that really still manifested itself in the direction and uh, in the, the acting choices. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like all the ideas I originally had and that we originally talked about are still there, but just maybe have taken a different form. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. I think um, maybe similar to you, Patrick, I don't know that I, I saw the the show in any sort of final image of what I thought it was going to be. I, you know, because I was coming into the script knowing that I needed to figure out the patterns in many different ways, I think I started to see the movement of it pretty early on, uh, especially some of the, the sequences when uh, Christopher is on his journey to, to London and how we were going to create trains and how we were going to create tubes and how we were going to create some of these dream sequences. So I started more to even just see the patterns of what is the kind of movement feel and vocabulary of, of each of these different scenes. I think a piece that I developed as we were in the process was really zeroing in on the story of this family. Mm -hmm. um, because it is so much uh, a story about how hard it is to just navigate the family love that we have with those that should be there for us in our, our hardest moments um, and, and are, but then it's also they create some of those hardest moments for us. Um, and to think through how any one of us might process those relationships in our head and how does that processing of those very complex relationships translate to a stage. Mm -hmm. um, and those were the parts that are wildly different than I hadn't even considered that I might be involved in some of those scenes. And then they did become movement pieces because of we had to show this emotion and we had to show these complex relationships, but it had to be translated into choreography. Um, and that was challenging and exciting all at the same time. You know, it's really interesting. It's great that you bring that up because I think, you know, casting Michael Larson again who plays Christopher uh, you know he is a young man with autism and that has appropriately gotten a lot of attention um, because uh, he deserves that uh, because he, he he's doing remarkable work and he's kicking a door open for us as an organization and I hope I hope for our community you know mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and it's really exciting and so I'm really happy that, that that's kind of been um, 
part of what people are hearing about this show and are excited about about this show because it should be. But at the end of the day, the story is not about autism, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the story is about navigating a world that sometimes feels joyful and sometimes feels scary um, and sometimes is really hard and brutal. And it's also like a great mystery. Like he, he, he there's so many things that he has to try to figure out mm-hmm. to make sense of his world. And so, I, yeah, I, I think that audiences need to know that the play is is really complex and there's a lot of entry points into the play for people and so um i'm kind of curious um it's not, you just talked about family a little bit maybe uh rachel um kind of curious in hearing from you what does the play come to mean for you as a person um that maybe an audience member will also experience yeah absolutely i think it's the play is an amazing discussion piece because there are so many different angles that you could come at um, in understanding the characters, just depending on what your own lived experiences, um, Heather and Patrick are both parents of wonderful children, and I do not have any children. And I found that I came at the script initially with a lot less empathy for the parents, mm-hmm. um, and that that was something that was a really interesting thing to watch it develop under Yaltu's beautiful direction. Um, was how how um, to tell the parents' story with empathy, even though, of course, Christopher is the main character. Um, so for me, I think the story has evolved to be about how everyone has their struggles, and um, so many of the people, not just the people we encounter once in our lifetimes, but the people we think we know the best, our family members, our closest friends, are potentially struggling through things that we will never quite understand. And um, to me, it's about, it's about having grace in whatever way you can for the people you come into contact with. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was talking with Simon Kaplan, who plays Ed, who in the show is Christopher's father, and um, Rebecca Bloom, who plays Judy, who in the show is Christopher's mother. And Simon and I, and, well, Simon and uh, Rebecca and I were talking one night, kind of just, we went to the lobby while you were working a movement sequence, and we were talking about their relationship. Mm-hmm. In the play, they are not together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a broken family. And we were talking about, like, well, we don't learn a lot of the, a lot of the history of what happened between them. We do learn some. So we were talking about, like, what was it like? What was it like to be married? When did you get married? You know, we were just talking through some of the normal character stuff. And um, we were talking about um, a scene of conflict that happens in Act 2. And yes, I'm being vague on purpose because you have to come see the show. Um, But we were talking about a scene of conflict in Act 2 where some things are said that are really meant to wound, you know? And um, just uh, talking about how to kind of play the action of that moment and... I said to Simon, um, I I told him this personal story that I'm going to tell you all too, because I just, this is kind of where the play is living for me a lot, is when when I got engaged, right when it was new, um, my wife, who is super brilliant, she said this thing that just kind of like stuck with me and stopped me in my tracks and was like never a way I like considered like an engagement or a marriage to, I never thought about it this way. So I asked her to marry me. She said, yes, it was all good. And then I think it's like the next day she said, are you sure that you're ready for me to be the person that wounds you the most? Mm. She's like, I need you to be sure 
that you're willing for me to be the person that hurts you the most, that loves you the most, too. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's like, <laughs> what a terrible thing to say. <laughs> um, but man, like, I just feel like that is true. Right? Yeah. It's the people we love the most that have the greatest capacity to hurt our heart. Yes. And um, yeah, the play's just been really living in that space for me. It's like, how does this family reconcile pain both past and present yeah and uh work their way through it and you know i think the thing that i love that exists in the book and in the play and i and i really do believe in the way that our production is staging the story is that that answer um belongs to a community of people Mm -hmm. who work together Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out how life moves forward and is successful and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where my heart's been with it. I had a very similar experience uh, more from the, the parent end of things because uh, when I was, was pregnant, my daughter, my daughter is now eight years old, so this is a while ago, um, someone said to me, being a parent is the best, hardest thing you will ever do. Mm. And they said, it is the hardest but best comes first. Mm. And that has been something that has rang true for me as during my entire time being a parent, but watching this show again, how hard it is to be a parent, the toll that it does take on your marriage and how you have to within your marriage or partnership, um, you know, bring this other person in to that life that you have that's maybe just the, the two of you and also how incredibly rewarding it is, even in its hardest times. And I've seen both of those. I've seen this family that we're telling their story of go through the best, hardest times, yes. even within the story that we're telling. Yeah. So why should people come? Why should people come see the show that we've made? Which is fun because like also, like I've said this to a couple of people, I think even in other interviews and stuff, um, that for the, the one of the reasons I wanted to talk to the two of you is like, I don't know that I could go through now and go, this was this person's idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the three of us have really worked really well together that like, it's like all of it's kind of a hodgepodge of three brains, mm-hmm. which I think this story needs. And then of course, multiple brains, because then all the designers that are bringing their magic to it. Um, I think, I think this, it's a great piece of theater because mm-hmm. it requires every artist to bring their imagination and kind of their best. And that's been really exciting. But but that's like something we celebrate. What are audiences going to take away? What are audiences, why should they bother? Well, I think reason number one is it is visually stunning. Uh, as of recording this podcast, we are on um, day three of tech and just all weekend, I was blown away by the the gorgeous, gorgeous stuff that our design team is doing um, with the story that we have in place. Um, I think it's going to be a real visual spectacle that people will love and that will get people's attention, I think, in the right places at the right times to really appreciate what is the heart of the play, which is the story. And, and just getting to step into Christopher's shoes, be in such a different mind for an evening is, I think well worth the price of admission. 
Yeah, and I will build on that to say uh, the actors, all of the actors that are telling this story have stepped into this space with so much honesty. Um, you know, everything that we just talked about with how critical these relationships are and how critical the voices are in, in supporting all of the emotions and how critical the relationship is with uh, his teacher, too, that we didn't really get a chance to talk much about. Mm -hmm. These actors are telling all of these stories with such empathy and honesty. And I think that no matter what an audience member's expectation is going to be coming in, whether they have expectations from reading the book, seeing the play in another space, or even seeing any show at RLT, I think we're going to kind of blow past those expectations in in many ways yeah i hope so <laughs> and I, I mean for me it's like i agree with both of you and i think you know on one level it is just a reminder of like the insanely talented community that we live in and that's always fun to celebrate um our community and the and the artists that we get to work with here uh that's super exciting but you know this christopher's story isn't complete without the audience there you know, we need we need uh, his life to be witnessed, and um, and that that only that communion only happens when people show up. So show up, <laughs> come see our show. Thank you both for taking the time to talk with us, and also just for all the work. I'm eternally grateful. I think this has been an amazing process and uh, one of my favorite um, in in my career, really. And I think it's largely due to y'all and all of the artists we get to work with and the cast and crew for sure. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so proud to be a part of it. Thank you. Yeah. Come see Curious Incident, everybody.